You're right in D.C. with Gail Trotter. This is Gail Trotter, host of Right in D.C. Today, our guest is Eric Karen. He is a former U.S. diplomat and U.S. special agent. He spent his life successfully conducting and managing covert operations related to national security, transnational crime, terrorism, and money laundering. He's held senior positions within Homeland Security and Interpol. Eric recently released his first book, Switched On, The Heart and Mind of a Special Agent. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Gail, it's an honor to be on your show. Thank you so much for having me. We have been in the grips in the nation and particularly in D.C. with President Trump's promise to build the wall. We saw him go down recently to El Paso and give a speech to his supporters and truly to the nation talking about uh, the dangers of the lack of secure border controls at our southern border. And this is something that he has been portrayed in the media as uh, a fool's errand or something that won't work or something that is immoral and inimical, inimical to the American dream. What say you to that? Gail, it's, uh, it's, an, it's an important topic. Border security is national security, period, full stop. This president recognizes that, and he recognizes that the U.S. government, quite frankly, failed on 9-11. It failed to protect us. And he sees the intelligence every day, just like I did, that the threat is real. This is not just made up. Transnational criminal groups are operating around the world and here in the U.S. And terrorist groups are operating around the world and here in the U.S. And he sees that threat and he wants to stop it before it's happening, before it happens again. Um, it's, It's an important topic that we as a nation need to understand. We do not want to become a Mexico or a Venezuela. And without border security, we possibly could. Well, uh, criticism of this approach has been that we do not advocate putting a wall on our northern border. And if we don't want to do that, then there must be something wrong with the proposition that we should put a wall on our southern border. You have vast experience in assessing threats from all these different transnational organizations that are criminal enterprises and want to do harm to Americans and profit off illegal enterprises. What is your assessment of why we need a Southern wall and not a Northern wall, for example? It's, it's a good question. You know, um, we're always doing assessments, right? You know, at, you know, the national security folks are always looking at the threat level and you know, quite frankly, we see the onslaught of Central and South Americans coming through that port of those ports of entry on our southern border versus the northern border is not as great. And in, in the same thing relates to the flow of commerce 
um, and illegal contraband, if you will, coming through that southern border versus the northern border. So people and goods um, are being assessed and the threat level is being assessed. And the professionals on the on the on the ground have assessed that the threat level, if you will, is not as great because of the amount of trade and people coming through those ports of entry, northern border versus the southern border. And, you know, um, we know that most of the drugs coming into America is coming through our southern border, not our northern border. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but I'm talking large shipments. We're talking thousands and thousands of kilos of cocaine and other drugs. Um, we're talking thousands and thousands of people coming through the southern border versus the northern border. So we're looking at where where do we get our biggest bang for the buck? We can't. We don't have endless amount of money. We don't have endless amount of personnel. So we are constantly assessing that threat level. And maybe, quite frankly, five years from now, we may want additional personnel in the northern border and equipment. But right now, the, the professionals are saying that threat is the southern border based on what they're seeing over the last five years, 10 years. That's a great response. So you're really uh, keying into the fact that there is a cost-benefit analysis being done. And given the volume of traffic over the southern border, that just dwarfs the volume of traffic from the northern border, over the northern border. And you need to allocate your resource, your very limited resources, and though apparently our government in DC doesn't think we have limited resources, but clearly we do. We need to target the area that has the highest return on the investment. Absolutely. Um, I am interested, you, you raised the 9-11 attacks. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe all of the, the airplane hijackers came to the U.S. by plane, not through the southern or the northern border, but they flew here from Saudi Arabia and Egypt. Uh, and, and that is certainly a criticism that we have heard from opponents of the wall that, uh, an, another example, the San Bernardino terrorist's wife, she flew here from um, Pakistan or Saudi Arabia. Uh, so I think there has been a caricature in the media of efforts to build the wall inciting terrorism as a concern or a rationale for building the wall. And uh, frequently the, the argument on the other side is that those terrorists, particularly the Islamist terrorists, are using airplanes and visa overstays rather than, you know, crawling across the, the southern border. Gail, um, it's a it's a good point you make. Um, that's why the wall, quite frankly, is part of a larger strategic program. And it's not just our land borders that we need to to beef up and control. It's our airports as well. And that's why we have a fence around our airports. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a port of entry as well in many cases. We that, those are land borders at our airports. We have land borders, we have airports, we have seaports. And all those ports of entry need to be controlled. And a, a country that does not control its borders will fail to exist. Period. 
And the threat is unbelievably high that that we need to understand that our joint terrorism task forces every day, which I was a part of and I ran, is working overtime to protect you and me because the threat has not gone away. So have we just been lucky that we have not had another 9-11 level attack in the United... I mean, we definitely have had other terroristic attempts and certainly there have been many overseas of Americans and uh, international people as well who are caught up in these uh, uh, targeted attacks, I would say, on Western interests or Americans. Do you, and clearly we want to give credit to the very hardworking people that you were in contact with, you were supervising, um, but, but when you, with your expert knowledge and opinion, reflect on this, kind of being a little bit removed from it now, do you think we've just been lucky that we haven't had another attack of that scale? You know, I, I think, I think a little bit of both, you know, I think we are, we've been very blessed. Um, and we've, we've prevented some attacks, as you know, in the last, in the last decade, uh, there've been multiple uh, bad guys that we've uh, arrested prior to them taking action. Um, that's good. Uh, so we've been lucky in that respect. Um, and yeah, we need a little bit of luck in this game because, you know, we have rules and laws that we have to play right. by. The bad, guys, <laughs> the bad guys have no rules and laws, you know, and yeah. uh, we've been very fortunate. Um, but rest assured, Gail, that that uh, and this is not to obviously scare anybody or intimidate anybody, but these terrorist groups are planning every day to attack us. And, you know, we you know, it, that's just the bottom line um, that we have to understand. The threat is real. This is just not, you know, uh, made up for w whatever political reasons uh, this the threat is real. There are terrorist attacks every day throughout the world. Right. I mean, Americans just because they're busy with their daily lives of providing for their families, they're not looking at, you know, Africa. They're not looking at what's going on in the Middle East. But rest assured, what happens overseas, not too far away, affects us at home. Right. And the federal government, the the organizations that you are part of, you all are monitoring those situations in real time, right? Absolutely. Every every day, real time. I operated. I was the attache um, in Dubai uh, for Homeland Security um, and, you know, covering Oman and as well as Iran um, from Dubai. And, you know, the threat in that region is high. I mean, and, and, you know, it's, it's ongoing every day. We have personnel working 24 seven domestically, internationally, and to try to keep us safe. And part of that, part of that, again, part of that strategic, um, our game plan, if you will, is to make sure we control who comes into our country and that wall will prevent some bad guys from coming into our country and bad things from coming into our country. Proponents of the wall frequently talk about 
the fact that if we can control our border better, then we are able to ensure that our citizens are safer and to promote a more peaceful society in the American homeland. I was reading some of your material and you make the argument that it not only helps American security, it also helps world and international security. Can you explain that a little bit? Sure. I mean, you know, globalization is a beautiful thing. Um, we're all connected, as you know, now in, in the last 30, 40 years. Um, we're able to, you know, trade with one another uh, freely. We're able to communicate. We're able to travel. And that's all great uh, because that's great for business, as you as you can imagine. Right. Um, and great, you know, for na nations who want to increase their uh, travel, their tourism. Um, and so, a country that has no security or very little security is a failed state. And if you're a failed state, nobody wants to invest in your company, in your country. Nobody wants to live in your country. And that's why countries around the world, such as, such as Switzerland, uh, Australia, Dubai, they're prospering because they understand that if you want to prosper, first and fo foremost, you need security. And that's why they're prospering. And that's why under this president, he is making America great again. Because he understands the secure for, for us to, to for us to prosper and grow, we need security, number one. You have experience in diplomacy as well. And I am curious, there has been so much criticism of this administration about its interactions with China and Russia and trying to make our NATO allies pay for their share, or not their share, pay more towards their security. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's been criticized a lot and his advisors have been criticized a lot for this. Do you think you can walk and chew gum at the same time? Do you think that this administration is able to uh, definitely change some of the relationships that America is on the losing end of or um, have been unbalanced in the past and yet at the same time have a strong American presence that enables us to enhance our security and avoid some of these. When you were working, it was not only the terrorism, but also obviously the transnational crime element. So you're you're having to deal with very bad people who are motivated by very different reasons. Do you yeah. think the administration can do both things at the same time in a way that I would argue has not truly been done in many of the last presidencies? Correct. Yeah, it's a great question, Gail. I, I agree exactly what you're saying. I mean, there has to be a carrot, carrot and stick approach to our to our security. Um, and to dealing with foreign nations, we have to take show strength, and, and quite frankly, we have to be we have to show our countries around the world, these countries around the world, that we are 
going to take the, the lead, if you will, on terrorism and on our security. And, you know, we, we're seeking their cooperation. We ask for their cooperation. And, and, you know, quite frankly, if they, you know, don't provide that type of cooperation that we need in this global war on terror and crime, there will be consequences. You know, I think, quite frankly, the Obama administration, you know, what happened in Egypt and other parts, other parts yeah. of the world, you know, I mean, look at that. Look what happened when we stood back and we basically said, you're on, you know, you guys, and um, we don't really care about, you know, the, your situation, you know. So look at Egypt for a second. It, it's, Egypt is in, in dire straits right now. And, um, and some of that stems from the, from the Obama administration and, and their policy. Right. And I think when you look at perhaps the Green Revolution of Iran in 2009 and the Arab Spring and the response to that, that was a really eye-opening moment to see what the foreign policy approach of the Obama administration and Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State what that would lead to. And when you talk about failed states, I feel like we don't have enough media reporting on things like Libya and North Africa and uh, Iran. Iran. And I think you're right. Americans are really busy and have jobs and families and, and need to focus on you know, making sure their communities are safe. But I, I do believe the media are doing us a disservice by not explaining how these failed states impact the security of our own communities. Yeah, you know, at, at one time, you know, as you know, the media unofficially was the fourth branch of government. <laughs> right. And, and, and making sure the other three were, were doing a a, a good job and in, in playing by the rules and what have you. But, you know, it, it's not that way right now. And in, and in some cases, and, and I've experienced this personally, the media was in collusion, colluded with the Massachusetts Immigration Advocacy Group in a case that I was involved in. And they basically told lies. And um, on my website, switchedonlife.com, I have a document that, on that website from the Carnegie Corporation. And they outline how this Massachusetts immigration advocacy group controlled not only the politicians, Senator Kennedy and Kerry and Deval Patrick, they controlled the media and they fed the media lies and the media ran stories that were just made up. And they, you know, this case involved a U.S. defense contractor that I was investigating, and we arrested 361 illegal aliens at a U.S. defense contractor. Wow. And, and what, three, four criminal arrests at the time? This is in 2007. And so what happened during that case was the Massachusetts Immigration Advocacy Group um, conspired, if you will, with the media and the liberal politicians that I mentioned, and they demonized me. And there were rallies 
Oh, wow. They were called con for congressional hearings. They were congressional hearings at the state level and at the federal level. And, you know, this, the, what's happened to the president happened to me in 2007. So it's where, an old playbook. Against, so what they said was we ripped babies away from mother's breasts and babies were forced to go to the hospital because they were dehydrated. Guess what? We didn't find a baby. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you know, I could understand personally, Gail, I could understand the MS-13 death threats that I received. Right. You know, um, but I couldn't understand how these liberal politicians all came out and attacked me and the people, men and women of law enforcement for doing our jobs, enforcing the law that they made. Do you think law enforcement is happy that they have someone in the White House who is their advocate and appreciative of the sacrifices and efforts that they make? Absolutely. Absolutely, Gail. You know, I dedicated my book to my father, to my twin brother, and to all men and women, women of law enforcement, all Leos out there. Because think about this for a second, Gail. These people who don't know you or me from a hole in a wall risk their lives every day for you and for me. And they don't get the respect or honor they deserve from our politicians in the past. And it's a shame. Your book is about being a special agent. And I am curious, this show is based in D.C., where we have a lot of our agents come for training. We have Quantico, which is the Marine base, not too far, just about an hour and a half down the road from D.C., where a lot of the training is done for some of these fantastic people whose names you will never know, but keep us all safe. And I'm curious, what advice would you give for young people who are interested in learning about becoming a special agent? And would you do it all over again? <laughs> yes. Um, great question. Great question. I would do it all over again. Um, I, you know, first and foremost, you know, being switched on, um, what, you know, you need a good foundation first to operate in life. And so the foundation of being switched on and making good decisions to see where you're going, even in darkness, um, you need, and I learned this through my, 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 my dad, who was a, a shine boy in the 1940s who went on to become a Marine. And he taught, he taught me very, really early that strengthen the mind through education it's your ticket to life's party. Without it, you're not getting in, period. Strengthen the soul through faith because you're going to need that on those dark and challenging days of life. Strengthen the body through eat, sleep, and exercise. Those are the basic core principles of being switched on. And so for kids out there, you need, the, you need those basic principles to help you make those good decisions of life. Because if you're not switched on, you, you, you will not, you'll find life very challenging. And you need 
these basic principles to help you make good decisions. And I say to kids, stay in school, follow your dreams. I grew up fairly, you know, fairly poor. I'm, I'm one of seven. My dad oh, was a God cop. bless you. I'm, I was a cop. My, my dad was a cop working two or three jobs to, to, to provide for seven kids. And I talk about, you know, what that, what that was like in my book. So my book is part memoir, part a little self-help. And then I sprinkle in my war stories. Um, and so I tell kids to get out there, stay in school, follow your dreams, and you too can become that special agent or diplomat. So which did you prefer, being a special agent or a diplomat? You know, I, both, you know, overseas, you know, you're represent, you're representing America and that I was very proud to do that. I would attend meetings, uh, with host nation in Oman or in, in the United Arab Emirates. And, um, you know, I very, I very much felt like an Olympian walking into the arena. Uh, it, it was a proud moment and, um, to represent America at these, you know, various meetings, um, that I attended, um, in, in, you know, policy meetings, but I also dealt with, uh, host nations on enforcement issues where we, we, we helped one another, um, solve crime. Um, and that was very, um, satisfying as well. So both, I would, you know, they were both very, both very challenging, but both very rewarding. Do you think, based on your experience, that terrorism will always be with us and this is something we will always need to proactively combat? Absolutely. Gail, this, this, the threat is not going away um, anytime soon. We're, you know, we're talking, uh, you know, the hatred, as you know, that, uh, that parts of the Middle East have um, against our, you know, the Jew, our Jewish friends is, is very deep and, and it's been going on for thousands of years. Um, and we support Israel and we will always support Israel. And because of that, you know, we're seen as, 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 as bad as well. And, um, so the threat from terror around the world and domestically will go on for a very, very, very long time. And so it's not going away. And we also have to recognize the fact that transnational criminal groups and terror groups sometimes, not always, work together and collude and support one another. Certainly terrorist groups around the world are involved in criminal acts such as human trafficking, artifact smuggling, kidnapping, drug smuggling, because they need to raise funds for, for their ideology, for their lifestyle, for their terror acts. They need weapons, right? Right. And, and so we, we've seen many cases where terrorist groups raise funds to support themselves. And they raise funds through criminal acts. Right. They're not having bake sales, correct? Correct. 
And I think uh, when when young people think about this and are trying to decide what to do with their lives, what's meaningful, um, that I think in some respects they have to rise above a lot of the criticism for the effort to try and make sure that America's safe and America's ideals are are continued to be promulgated. And I think we've seen that in a very stark way in this administration where efforts to build the wall, efforts to increase border security, efforts to screen people better, particularly the what is called the travel ban, to make sure that we're not allowing people into this country who have ill purposes um, to make sure that we're, it, particularly in these countries that you're talking about, that we're part of this travel ban, where we don't have the information. The government, even if the government was cooperative, they don't have the information because they don't have the infrastructure, they don't have the record keeping, they don't have the access to the records. And I think we're seeing a lot of charges of racism or bigotedness or, uh, you know, Pick your pick your insult of the yes. day. Yes. And I'm curious what you would tell young people who may have a call or an inclination to do that, but feel like this opprobrium heaped on this community is holding them back a little bit. Well, you know, again, it's about being fair, balanced in our approach. Um you know, you reference basically the visa visa security programs that we yeah. have around the world. Um, and, and I was part of that program, part of my responsibility, along with many other uh, programs, was to, you know, make sure people, we welcome everybody in America, just like the president said, we want people to come, but you have to come legally and lawfully. And we want to increase the amount of visas we issue overseas. But we have to make sure these people are who they say they are. Right. And not criminals. And, you know, uh, that's important. And we have to make sure that when they do come here, they leave and they're not ghosts. And then we ask ICE to go out and find these people. And we don't have a proper exit control in place right now because of the president Obama failed to input in place the, the, the exit basically controls in place. And, you know, so we have to make sure that we welcome everybody, but when you come to America, when your visa's up, you must leave. And that's why Dubai and many other countries around the world that are prospering do not have a visa, um, overstay issue. And as you know, many of those 9-11, many, but several of those 9-11 hijackers were here as overstays. Yeah. Never been here. They should have left. But because we do not have a good tracking system in place, they stayed. And you think that would be worth the budgetary investment to create a better system for that? And it might prevent some harms that otherwise we are subject to absolutely absolutely you know we have to know who's in our country and we have to know who's not here lawfully 
If you're coming here as a visitor, you come here as a visitor. We welcome everybody. You have 30 days, you have 60 days, whatever your visa days amount are, but you must leave. And you can't work if you are not on a visa to work. If you're a student, you come as a student, not as a worker. And, you know, it's just, again, we just have to know who's coming to America, what's coming into America. And that's why in many countries, we have a container security initiative program. Again, after 9-11, we've pushed the border out as far as we could. And that's why we have agents overseas working with host, host nations to screen suspect containers coming to America. That's why we screen visitors coming to America as far out as we can at our embassies prior to them getting on a plane. That is great. Do you think President Trump is going to win this epic battle with Congress and with the media on their side and Hollywood and all of academia? Do you think he will ultimately win the battle to uh, put more border security to protect Americans and, as you said, to increase world peace as well, world security? Yeah, I, I, you know what, I do. I've seen, and I'm sure you've, you've seen it, you've felt it. The tide is changing. I think Americans are just tired of these liberal politicians who do nothing but talk and not produce anything for their families. And this president is determined to keep us safe. One, because that's the number one priority. Determined to make America great again as it relates to our economic, right? And, you know, that's why people in general are getting behind this president because, you know, he's reassured them, I'm going to watch your back. And if you're living in Chicago, you're not feeling these last six, 10 years, you're not feeling very safe. Right. Because, you know, I can tell you, I have friends in Chicago, Chicago PD, and I occasionally listen to Chicago PD uh, scanner at night. Do yourself a favor at midnight on a Friday night. Listen to, listen to Chicago PD, and all you hear is shots fired, shots fired, oh. shots fired. We have, a, we have a rape in progress. We have a carjacking. It's, it is the wild, wild west, Chicago wow. PD, on a Friday night. And so this president, I'm, I'll put money on the table, Gail. He'll get reelected. No doubt in my mind that he'll, he will become, again, once again, our president. Because people want safety. They want jobs. And this president is willing to do both. And, and, and these liberal politicians, all they've done for us is make us unsafe and, you know, taking jobs away from our inner cities, as the president said. Our mill industry, it's gone. I so appreciate this conversation, Eric. Where can people find you online to follow up on this and where can they find your book? Gail, it's an honor 
on with you. I really appreciate the opportunity to share some of this with you. Um, again, I, I've dedicated my book, Switched On, The Heart and Mind of a Special Agent to all Leos out there um, because, you know, they just don't get the, the respect that they deserve. Um, so if people want more information about me and to purchase the book, go to switchedonlife.com. And I have a lot of information uh, there about uh, myself and and um, articles about security and, um, you know, the president, uh, you know, the, at one time, you know, people were questioning, is it is it, uh, you know, the president was questioning the intelligence he was getting and and there was a big hoopla over that. And I wrote an article and uh, the, the local newspaper here in Massachusetts picked it up and ran it. And uh, I was I was very proud to to share the fact that intelligence is not a science, it's an art, and it's perfectly fine. In fact, the president should be questioning his intelligence. Um, so there's many articles on, on my website, and, and to include this Carnegie Corporation uh, document that is, quite frankly, riveting. Well, I can't wait to share this with everyone. Thank you so much, Eric, for joining us today. Gail, I hope to be back on. Thank you so much. This is Gail Trotter. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram. You can subscribe to my podcast on iTunes. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can support this podcast on Patreon. We have some really cool shirts for you to check out. And I'd like to have a special thank you to Trio Caliente for the fabulous music at the beginning of our show. This is Right in DC. You're right in D.C. with Gail Trotter.